Do you wonder where your food comes from? More and more people do. America's corn farmers work hard every day to grow a crop that you can be proud to serve your family. And they're doing it with an eye towards sustainability, caring for water, air, soil, and resources that fuel healthy families and more sustainable products. Take a look to find out how farmers in rural America work to make life better for all of us, from cities to their rural communities. Learn more at ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. At T-Mobile for Business, unconventional thinking means we see things differently so you can focus on what matters most. That's why we've become the leader in 5G, number one in customer satisfaction, and a partner who includes 5G in every plan. So you get it all. Unconventional thinking is better for business. Open Signal awards T-Mobile as America's fastest 5G network USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. Capable device acquired. Coverage not available in some areas. Some users may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. Ryan Ray and Ben Samuels present Bring in the Closers, a podcast on making deals and doing business. Welcome to episode three of Bring in the Closers. Ryan Ray alongside the wealthiest man I know, Ben Samuels. Ben, how's it going? It's going fantastic. I'm up here in uh, Denver for the EarthTech conference this week. Looking forward to uh, getting on the show floor tomorrow. Uh, I guess by the time that this comes out, I guess we'll be a week post. But uh, looking forward to that. And then uh, I'll be in Midland next week. Got a couple of uh, meetings set up with some new clients and some also existing clients. So looking forward to that. And, and maybe some new maybe some new connections that someone sent your way. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. 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 Just maybe. I don't know if that could be, but anyways. If, if, um, if anybody, if anybody missed it, he was talking about himself, just just in case me? we, you know, yeah, you, yeah, me? you, yeah. I was you. talking about me. Oh yeah. wow, yeah. I, did, I guess I did send you some connections. I know that's totally off brand for you to be talking about yourself, but you know, hey, I'm the second most favorite person I like to talk about. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, by the, you, you're a little bit generous there. You said by the time this comes out, you're back in Midland. I was thinking, you know. By the time of 2020 presidential elections, this will come out. So if you're looking to meet with Ben, make sure that this we're recording this on July 22nd of 2019. The year is of the utmost importance. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, you know, a year from now, when these shows are coming out, people are going to go back and listen to it. They're going to say, what are these guys talking about? Well, we're basically blaming Nate for not getting this the first two shows out. This is the third show. So uh, after this, moving forward, hopefully they will come out on a regular basis. That's if Nate does his job. But we've already established he's an unstable character. And I'll, you know, I'll throw it out there. Um, anybody listening that, you know, if, if you want some of my time, if you want to sit down with me, all you have to do is call me or email me and tell, uh, tell me that Ryan Ray sent you. I'll make time. doesn't matter. I'll, I'll make the time. I don't even have a cell phone number. So that'd be pretty cool. If you, if you call him, hit me up and give me Ben's cell phone number. I've been trying to get them inside digits for a while now. So that would be a, that would be a win for everyone involved. <laughs> You well, have today- the firewalls up somewhere, Ryan. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, today we're going to talk about this concept of we're going to use the term red flags. Um, and what we mean by that is is potential things that could kill the deal. Sometimes they do kill the deal. Sometimes they appear to be big issues that are bigger than what you thought they were. They just they look really big and scary and obstacles. And um, but at the end of the day, it's like okay, it's not that big of a deal. So um, I think the first category. Um, we want to talk about maybe Ben is, you know, the, the ones that don't allow the deal to even get into the funnel, like the ones that kill the deal before the deal is even 
um, vetted its research. I had one this weekend. Someone sent me an opportunity, and I sent it over to you to look at because it, it looked kind of shady, and you kind of felt the same way, which was the way this is being presented kills it from the start. And what I mean by that is the way the person was presenting it to me, didn't. I don't know the person, and it did not inspire confidence that they were a trustworthy person that I'm going to want to invest time, energy, and effort to vet this thing out. Um, I said over to you, and you kind of, it's, it's something I don't. It's an area I don't deal with a lot, so it's, it's something that you know a little bit about. And I said over to you, and you're like, ah, it looks kind of shady to me. So let's step back. So what are some of those red flags that you get that kind of come in? You go, you know what? I'm not even going down this alley. And then how do we prevent ourselves if we want to reach out to people to make deals to not be that one that throws out something that just you know it kills the deal before it ever ever gets started? I think that's really important. I think you actually hit on something that I wanted to address a little bit more in detail uh, is that it, I think what it comes down to for me, at least on the very front end, is the presentation. You know, if it's obvious to me that the person sending me the deal or the details on the deal hasn't put enough time and effort into packaging it together into a way that makes sense, whether that be, uh, you know, putting, you know, draw, drafting a PDF or drafting just a long form email or whatnot. I, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times, Ryan, that I get someone to send me a deal and all they did was hit the forward button mm-hmm. on an email that they were sent from somebody else. And a lot of times, you know, th- there's no attachments or, you know, the, um, th- there's very, very minimal information. So one of the red flags for me is if, if I get sent something that I have to do a ton of front load work in order just to understand what I'm looking at, that, that means to me that either one of two things, or I mean, there's a few other, but one of two main things. Number one, the person sending it to me doesn't care enough to take the time to actually package it up in, into a way that, that makes you know, good use of my time, or they either don't have enough control over the deal to know what the um, information is, or they're not as, you know, up to speed on what the, the details of the information are, and, and what the deal are. And so any of those three things, the reason those are red flags and the reason that I, that I want to try to remedy those as quickly as possible is because all three of those things are going to cost me time and are going to cost me money, right? Because if I'm having to stop and dig into a deal and do someone else's front load work and, do, you know, and find a way to present the information to myself that makes sense in order for me to then vet the idea and vet the prospect and figure out if it's a viable idea or viable uh, you know, asset we want to invest in or, or, or what have you, you know, th- that's that's an immediate red flag for me because, you know, if that's the way that they came in the door, you know, how, how, how am I going to expect they're going to go, you know, be through contract negotiation and due diligence and, and all those kind of things. I'm glad you phrased it like that because this ties into a deal that I have, which is the, the South African pipe deal, right? I mean, you've talked about it enough that you kind of know um, some about this, but the, the short of it is, is that I have a ability to bring in um, steel and pipe and um, OCTG product products from South Africa. The problem is, is I'm not a pipe guy. I don't really know much about pipe. It's not really, I mean, I know, understand the basics, but API spec, metallurgy, chemistry, and all the stuff involved is not really my expertise, which means that <clears throat> I could get on LinkedIn and send everyone who's in the OCTG pipe or steel business uh, a message says that, hey, I've got some pipe for you. Here's kind of the general specs. Um, would you be interested in buying that? The problem, and as you know, Ben, is that there's only about two or three questions I can actually answer, and that's because of the way that this deal is structured. And so until you realize that the way this deal is structured, if I were to present this deal to you, it would come off very fishy and very scammy. 
And so what you're saying rings true because a lot of times, and I say a lot of times, I think sometimes people get in on something that's really good and they want to share it, but because you don't have that personal relationship with someone, you can't exactly explain how you're positioned, how the deal actually works. And if you go around blasting out, I've got this opportunity to people that you don't know, and then someone like Ben fires back at you a question A, B, or C, and you're like, well, I don't know. Well, because Ben doesn't know you, and he's kind of a cocky guy, that he's going to dismiss you immediately. And so I, I think that that's, you know, you, that, you see where I'm going with that? So one of the key differences that, that I want to point out, though, is what I'm I'm, I'm awesome, pick- so that's... You are, you are. This is true. This is true. When talking to somebody like, you know, like yourself about the pipe deal, you are upfront. Generally, even before it comes up, you tell the people in the room, hey, I'm not the pipe expert. I'm not the pipe guy. I have direct access to this deal. But if you want technical answers, I'm not going to be able to get them for or I'm not going to be able to answer them for you, but I can get the answers for you. And that in and of itself is massively valuable. I'm talking about people that come to the table without prefacing it that way and are presenting themselves as the guy that has the control of the deal or the guy that knows about the deal or the guy that's putting the deal together. And then when you know when you take the next step or when I come back to you, like you said, if I, if I fire off an email back to you and I ask you three or four questions and you presented the deal to me as if you own it or as if you have control, and then you say, oh, I don't know, I have to do X, Y, Z, or Q, that's a red flag. But if but if you come out of the gate and say, hey, listen, I have direct I have direct access to this thing, but I'm not you know I'm not the guy that has the answers because I have that call a lot. You know, th- there are a lot of deals that I, that I'm involved in that I, that I'm not the industry expert. That's not my role in the deal. And so I preface those conversations with, listen, here's my role in this deal. Anything else that you want to have happen, I'm I'm your guy to help you get there. But I may not have the answer. And, and being upfront about that, just telling people upfront about that so that they know solves that problem. Yeah. And and it's tough because, um, you know, how I've tried to take what you're saying is there's been a couple of times where I, on the, on the pipe deal, I've kind of reached out to people who I've seen, they, they, they're saying that they have a a need or maybe we can partner with on LinkedIn. I've kind of sent a note, just kind of, kind of trying to flesh it out. And of course I do get there, but that's important because I think the fear being is, is that if I call you up and I say, Hey, you know, this is what I have. And, I, and I'm very upfront and very frank about it. You might um, diminish me early on. But the reality is, is that although I'm not the, in this particular deal we're talking about, I'm not the pipe expert. Um, I am the one who can facilitate it from the U.S. or international side of things. And so you have to almost be vulnerable um, to and be very humble like I am. I'm extremely humble. Most humble guy I know. And so you have to be like that to get out there and say, hey, this is um, this is what I've got. This is how it works. And I, and I think I told you, I try to tell the story of how the deal came together. And it's kind of a long-winded story. We'll probably get to it one day on the show. But I kind of tell the story of how it, how it came together so that I can put to, put to rest some of the maybe unease of, you know, um, the questions you are. But it, it does put you in a vulnerable, vulnerable, vulnerable position. I can't speak today. Because at the end of it, um, you realize what the deal actually is, which is a very good deal, very lucrative deal, very upfront deal. But you also realize that, hey, Ryan's just a broker in this. And some people want to feel like they have, I don't know if more power, I don't know if it's more prestige. I don't know I don't know what it is, but but as we talked about a few weeks ago, I just want the deal to get done. You know, I, that that's the beauty for me. I want the deal to get done. And so when the deal gets done, 
that's where my joy and satisfaction comes. And of course, getting paid is obviously a big part of that. But um, the false bravado, I guess you will, of trying to falsely package something or not exactly uh, be upfront about what it is, I think is maybe part of what's going on there. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and, and real quick, do you think that goes back to the sales versus the deal broker mindset? Because that's almost kind of a sales mindset of, hey, and listen, we all have done it. We've all sent out a deal and we all have it properly packaged it. So I'm not saying that I'm perfect in this or you're probably perfect, but, 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 you know, we've all probably not, not done it perfectly. Um, but do you think that's part of it is that you get in such a sales mindset that you have to realize that here you're trying to find partners. You're not necessarily trying to convince someone to buy a product. Absolutely. No. And this is a learning process. I mean, you know, I've, I've done this enough times now that, that I feel pretty confident in that process, but none in, in my beginning stages, you know, I, I was just forwarding emails and I, and I was the guy that, you know, was, uh, you know, presenting the deal as though I had control, um, but, but would still need to be, you know, bringing in a partner and those kind of things. And so, I mean, these are all mistakes that I think we all go through, right? This is, this is a roadmap that, you know, we all kind of play in and, and it just depends on kind of where you are in the process. Um, but no, I, I think so. I, I think that, um, I think that it all comes across. It all depends on on how you're presenting it and, and what you're what you're trying to accomplish. You know, like we've talked about multiple times, we've talked about the relationship building versus the sales process. And, and like you, you know, like you just said, um, you know, and one of the things that, that uh, you, you mentioned that I kind of wanted to address because we talked about it. Um, I think it was on the first episode uh, where I where I talked about you know um, you know the time value of money and, and, and you know uh, my you know my pushback. For, to people when you know when it doesn't seem like they're ready to, to get to the table i think um what it, what it comes down to really is wanting to know that the person that's bringing me bringing me a deal values my time and, and just you can show that by being transparent being honest being upfront, and, and doing a lot of the work up front and so i mean one of the things that really helps and this is not necessarily in the, under the umbrella of red flag but since we're kind of on this topic uh, you know if i'm looking at an oil and gas mineral rights transaction deal that someone has sent me uh you know that's either on the market or, or not and they've given me a, a lot of the okay so it's you know 480 acres and it's being operated by this company and it's been you know producing uh since x if they give me the, the that piece of information but as a specific example if they don't include revenue check stubs with the email all of the rest of the information that they gave me is important and 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 critical and i need it but I need, in, in that specific example, I need a check stub to, to do two things. Number one, verify that they actually are in pay by the operator so that codifies everything else that I've been told. And number two, it gives me an idea of revenue so that I can do some modeling on my own and then I can get an idea of the asset value. Because without those two pieces of information, you know, so if somebody sends me a deal and it's 480 acres in block C8 of Rees County, I know block C8 really well. I know the operators out there. I know I know all the different things, but it depends on where in the block they are, and it depends on you know, all of these different things, right? And, and I'm not going to know uh, what the revenue is unless I see the, the, the check stuff. And so like, that's a specific example of something that I'm going to push back on. So if I see a deal and it doesn't have a check stub attached, if, if I see a production deal and it doesn't have a check stub attached to it, I'm not even going to look at the information until I get the check stub because that's the piece of information that I absolutely need. And so I think it's that kind of, Thinking through the process of, I guess another way of saying what I'm saying is I, when I'm sending someone a deal, I try to package it in a way that I would want to have this information presented to me 
and so that it's clear, concise, and all the pieces of information that are going to be critical to do the initial eval are, are there rather than having to have the person come back to me or have to chase the information. What do you do when you told someone several times, hey, that there is no check stub because this isn't leased, but they weren't paying attention? Like you, you try to explain it to them, but they weren't, they weren't, they weren't listening. Like, how do you get that message through to them? You know, sometimes it, that just means that the other person wasn't paying attention and you just need to <laughs> like, you know, kind of give them one. Um, it happens every once in a while. We're not all perfect. You, uh, <laughs> you, you, you've made it, a, I feel like you've made it a task on this podcast to like trump me up. So the people that are listening to this are going to think I'm like way up here when I'm like, really like just trying to like stay on my lane, like right here. It's but the part of, subtle jabs I like. Part of that is I'm not perfect. I'm, I make funny mistakes, and we can talk about them on the podcast. I'm an open book. But, uh, yeah, you know, it happens. Um, but I appreciate you calling me out. That's important, too, because now that you've called me out, especially now that you've called me out on air, probably not going to happen again. <laughs> well, but, you know, I think just through that, you, I remember you asking that. I'm like, what is, what's he talking about? Why does he want these? And and I realized that you were just, you know, not not going through there. But but just, just to take that for a second, because – one of the red flags in that scenario could be that, Hey, this person isn't taking me seriously uh, because they're not listening to the information I've given them. And so one of the things that you have to determine uh, to, to use that example, and you know, I'm talking about a real life example, me and Ben, I same some stuff. He, he kept asking me for the check stubs and well, the, the stuff was at least there was no check stubs to be had. Um, and so we kind of went through like two or three times and, and you have to kind of think about that because Ben, that, that is, and I'm not, I'm kind of picking on you here just to cause it's uh, you know, we're good enough buds that we can kind of do this, but but that is something that you do think about, Ben. Is that how you know if you are giving someone the same information over and over again, um, you have to decide at what point are you going to continue um, going through this process with that person or or pulling the ripcord. So I, I'm actually gl- I'm really glad that you brought this up because I think I think it's a perfect perfect deal to talk about a lot of these issues because on my side uh, there was some of that as well. Because if you remember, and I think to be candid, I think part of my confusion was when you sent me the information, you sent me, it was like eight or 10 emails. And I knew that you had control. So it wasn't like that didn't bother me, but you sent me a bunch of emails with a bunch of different attachments, some of which didn't really marry up. It turned out that some of the attachments actually were like for a different deal. And and, and so, so that kind of, I, I certainly, if I had dug into the information, absolutely should have figured out that it was on lease. And, and, you know, I, I absolutely, I think, I, I think I did ask you like three or four times for the check stubs. Um, but, but two things, number one, so, so, so I think you came first from just a little bit of confusion on my part, but also we were talking about a different deal. Remember the, uh, the, uh, the deal out in, what was it? Eastland and Tom Green County, I want to mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a production deal. And so I think there was, might have been just some confusion also. Um, but, but yeah, to, I mean, to your point, I, I, you're absolutely right. But, but yeah, and just to, we're not, we'll probably talk about that deal at some point in the future. We get it closed, but th- that deal actually has multiple layers in it, and it has a bunch of stuff that's kind of as as we're still working through the deal. There's more information that's continually coming, and that's just that that's part of it. Um, but you know, from from my standpoint, um, in in my mind, just to just to kind of go along with this, um, on kind of that early initial red flags you're looking for. So the things I'm looking for is. You connect with me on LinkedIn and you send me a note about you want to talk about us having referral networks the first time. Or do I want to invest in um, this product? And it's not that I may not be interested in having referrals or um, investing in, in products or, um, you know, I got, I got someone the other day asked me if I, 
had my exit strategy for my company lined up, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, you, someone buys it out for a lot of money. That's the exit strategy. Okay. That's, <laughs> I, I don't need to pay you to tell me about that. I've, I've got it. You know, if someone gives me a lot of money for this thing and I retire, that's, that's the, that is the exit strategy. Hopefully, um, outside of that, it's just going to be working until I have enough to retire. That's there's the third option is neither of those happens. I'm just work till the day I die. That's, that's the three, <laughs> that's the three things. Um, but, but when it's, when, when the offer is, um, um, let off with something that I haven't, I haven't asked for. And that's the key. If, if I have posted about something and you're responding to that and you send me a DM, I, I think that's, that gives you some credence because you're following what I'm saying. You're tracking with where I'm at. It doesn't mean I'm going to be interested, but at least you're, you're watching my activity on LinkedIn or wherever. And you go, okay, Hey, Ryan is continuing talking about this. I have something that might be of interest. I think that's, that's, um, that's a lot less of a red flag for me than a random post about my exit strategy for a company that I own that you have no knowledge about. You see the kind of the, the, the differences there. So, so someone sent me a, and this is, this is maybe a little bit long winded. So forgive me on the front end. Uh, but someone sent me a LinkedIn message recently, uh, hadn't connected with them previously, but had been connections for, for some months. He had reached out to me, but he, he hadn't sent me an intro, uh, you know, intro when we connected. Um, and his profile was somewhat vague in terms of what he did. I'm actually still not sure exactly uh, what the main thrust of what he does is. But he sent me a unsolicited DM. And all it said was something along the lines of, I was looking at your profile. It seems like you may have the need for some apparel for your business. We do the best apparel, you know, basically we do the best apparel business or best apparel in the business. Here's my website. You know, uh, let, let's talk about getting you an order. There, and, and so, you know, to me, I'm sitting there and it's, you know, it could be a fantastic product. He could be the best salesman, you know, the best businessman in the world. He, you know, that could be a connection that I absolutely need to make. Right. But with, with no effort on his part to, Make, you know, build any rapport or dig into, you know, what I, you know, what I might need it for, or any of any of these things, it's immediately like, it, you know, you clearly haven't taken the time to make it, make it worth my time. So why am I going to give you mine? Yeah, no. And that's what I'm talking about is that there's no, um, there's no connection between what you're actively sharing and what you do. You know, one of the things I do appreciate is I do get people because of my other podcasts that will send me information about, the oil and gas industry that's that's news related now a lot of times this news is not necessarily tied to my work but it is tied to the things i talk I talk about on podcasts and so i really appreciate that because i'm talking about this stuff or maybe talk about a story on the text oil and gas podcast and someone sends me hey did you know this 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 or this that is that's keen that that that's pinpointing because i know this person is either on some level tracking with what i'm saying they either they're listening to my podcast or they saw me post up about it and, and they sent it to me so that's I think that's kind of the connect. Whereas if um, I haven't posted anything about apparel ever, and you send me an apparel message, um, that would be it's like okay, well, you know. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, if, there, if there's any engagement, I mean, yeah, I mean that's a great point. If if and it's it's worth saying. I mean, if I were to get a DM from someone looking to you know employ some new technology on a drill bit in the Permian, and they wanted to talk to somebody about you know how they might find an entry you know, that's what, you know, that's right on my alley, right? Like that, that's Shoot them that's today. totally fine. Send them over. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I mean, yeah, no, if, if it's outside the fairway, you need to give me some reason to care, right? 
And I think that I think that that's basic. I, I you know, as you have talked about multiple times, I think on every single podcast you've made a comment about it in one way or another. I'm, I'm a pretty confident person, and, and you know all of those things. But at the same time, I think that's relatively a generic want to just feel like your time is valued by the other person you're being in business with, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same thing. I mean, if you you know, if if our if you and ours my relationship has started off with you calling me, you know, incessantly day after day, multiple times a day. And those conversations being worth nothing of, you know, of my time, you know, we wouldn't be sitting here today, right? You know, it, it was obvious, like we talked about on the first podcast, it was obvious from the very first second that we reached out to each other, that we were actually, it happened to be that we were similarly minded, but that we were both appreciative of each other's time and wanted to make it valuable. And I think mm-hmm. that if you, if you can convey that, you can get a, around a lot of these other red flags that we're talking about. And I think that that's why it's so important, because if you have the basis of the relationship, because now at this point, you know, even though you and I haven't been working together for, 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 you know, years and years yet, even at our stage in the relationship, I have, I feel comfortable, comfortable enough to call you with something either outside the box or maybe, you know, that, that I'll even say like, listen, I don't really have control over this. I, I don't really know what's happening here, but here's what I'm looking at. And I've, I feel like I've gotten enough of favor to be able to just get your ear when I need it and vice versa. And that in and of itself can can cure a lot of the other issues we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like last week, I sent you a, I sent you a message said, "Hey, I got some bad bad ideas. I need to I need to bounce off of you." <laughs> they were good, but the problem is that they were good. So you said you set the expectations are exactly. wrong on the front end. No, I said it right. So that way, that no, that's the point. Uh, 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 <laughs> I set the expectation just right. Um, so, so, see, Ryan does have some tricks. <laughs> the final thing I'll say about this is, you know, I, I think we all should be leery uh, on some level when you get a DM from someone who is a connection or is not a connection that you don't actually know. We got a lot of connections on LinkedIn that I don't actually know. And so we all should be leery because there's so many scams and things that are going on that that, that you should always just that, that, that red flag. You kind of just, oh, man. And so if if you're unless you have something that has to be pushed out today. Like it's got to be pushed out today. There are ways to build up that rapport um, over time. And I think that's kind of what we're saying is that, you, that don't blow it by blasting the DMs the first thing. Absolutely. And even more so than that, actually something I was thinking about as you were talking was, you know, I think that so far on the podcast, you and I have been talking about looking at this through the prism of somebody that has you know, has an established network to a certain degree, has an established kind of deal flow, you know, how they look at deals and those kind of things. My advice to somebody, if you're listening to this podcast and you are brand new in a certain industry or you're just trying to put your first couple of deals together, I would strongly advise you to, you know, face these red flags head on and try to drill through them because there's a lot of times that in, in you know, when I was first starting out, I would see something and it would seem like a red flag, but it really wasn't, right? And it's, so it's really important that, that, you know, to understand that what Ryan and I are talking about today right now on the podcast are kind of more, are almost higher level concepts in the sense that we've done this enough to know where the actual noise is as opposed to the stuff that looks like noise. And even, even today, there's still some of that in my day-to-day. I'm still vetting that, and that's part of the vetting process, but that's kind of a little bit more advanced. So, I mean, Ryan, would you agree w- with me that you know, if you're first starting out, I think it's really important 
to you know, either find a mentor that has more experience and can vet those stuff with you and for you and maybe give that person some that person some equity to do that on on your behalf and learn through them or like I said, kind of lean into the red flags and dive in. And so if somebody sends you a package, you know, somebody sends you 15 emails with a one page PDF each instead of a one page, you know, 15 page PDF and one email, you know, don't let that bother you. Dig into the 15 pages, look through, you know, and, and make it work. Uh, if somebody sends you incomplete information or you know, sends you a prospect with the map and the map is, is a different prospect than, than the information in the email, you know, send them an email back and try to get on the same page. Don't, you know, don't just walk over the, the, uh, the prospect just because it's not packaged correctly. And so I think it's also kind of, you, you got to pick your spots. I mean, cause I do that sometimes as well. If there's some high level stuff uh, that, that I see that there's a bunch of red flags or things that, you know, that, that I can ferret out, that's what I, you know, that's what I address first. Yeah, so this kind of goes back to something on the first podcast. We talked about having those 8 to 15 versus those 500 call, phone calls a day. And we didn't get into it, and we're, we'll save the full conversation for another podcast. But, yeah, I would agree with that because when I was doing full-time sales for my company and managing projects and stuff like that a few years back, you know, I would meet with anyone who would want to meet with me um, to, to try to do to try, to try to get a meeting. And that, that would mean that I lived in Northeast Louisiana at the time. So I drive six hours to Houston. I remember this distinctly. I was in Houston and someone sent me a message that said, Hey, I can meet Tuesday at two o'clock or three or Wednesday or Thursday, whatever it was south, somewhere in the Eagle Fred. I can't remember. It's like three and a half hours from Houston, which means that now it's like a nine, nine and a half hour drive back to Monroe. And so I, I looked at it and I said, well, I'm six hours away and it's only three hours, three and a half hours, whatever it was to here. Um, it's nine hours if I go back. Do I think they're going to do anything with me? Probably not. But it's the closest that I'm going to get without having to come all the way back here. And so I, would, I went and meet with, met with them. And, and I say that to say that when you're trying to get in the door, um, the, what you don't want to do is you don't want to blow your credibility, which goes to what you were saying earlier about being upfront about what you are, who you are, what your role is. Um, but because you don't know what you don't know, you also have to take more risk on finding out what's out there, what is available. As you're saying, you know, vet through these deals. Um, and if you can find some people that will look at the stuff for you, they will actually do the really hard work because they'll say, like Ben will say, hey, send me the check stubs. Well, if you didn't know you need check stubs, you never would have known to ask that. Well, now you know I need to ask that. So you, but, but if you present it as, hey, look, Ben, I'm new to this game. I'm trying to get in this. Man, I got this acreage in wherever. Can I send it over to you to look at? And Ben's nice, and he says yes because he said Ryan Ray sent him. And so he sends it over, and he's like, hey, you idiot. There's no you – know, Ben's not that mean. But, you know, hey, guy, there's no um, there's no check stubs here. Well, now your job now is to remember from this point forward, even though you might not know why they need a check stub, that if you're going to be trying to sell uh, acreage, you need check stubs. And that's, I think that's the, the, the growing and the evolution process that you have to be willing to do, which means that you went to Ben Samuels, the god of mineral trading, and you looked, you looked silly, but you did it in a way that was, that was humble. It was like, hey, Ben, this isn't really my expertise. I have this opportunity. I would like to see if you'd be interested in it. Uh, I don't know a lot about this stuff. I'm telling you right now, this is what I have. Would you mind looking at it? And then Ben's probably going to say, yeah, potentially. And if he does, then if he doesn't want it, he's going to tell you why, which then means you now have learned something. And I think that's how you build upon yourself. You start out humble. You say what you are. You're very clear about it. And then you get... Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager slash superhero. Pete, bad news. Uh, what happened? I put a very expensive latte on top of my car, drove off, and it spilled. It's bad. How's that my problem? Oh, 
My laptop was up there too. <laughs> uh, okay, that's why we use connection services to manage our cloud. Everything's backed up. I can access your stuff remotely. You won't miss a meeting. I really wanted that latte, Pete. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager. Today, I want to talk about Pete. Your... Heads up, we've been hacked. What happened? My password is my birthday. Everyone knows that. February fourteenth. Why would everyone? I don't get how these people figure this stuff out. I think I do. Have you ever updated it? Yes, I changed it to Valentine's Day. <sighs> okay, we're protected with connection security services. You just gotta be more careful, Pete. Okay. Yep. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. I told no, but you probably are because it's probably not a good deal because you're probably not in a position to do it. You can then learn on why the deal wasn't good, um, or maybe the deal was good, but you didn't get the right information, so you had to go back and get that. But 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 tracking that along the way is, I think, the uh, the important thing there. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So uh, I will say, by the way, uh, I think now you've you've said enough. You've given me enough different titles. That I feel like I, I'm gonna start like writing them down to keep track of these and just like see maybe there's gonna be an evolution. Like we've started like you know, you're you're like saying really nice things and like depending on how the, this podcast goes, maybe by like episode 28, you know, they, they might be a little bit different. I feel like I need to start keeping track. Of, <laughs> um, the, the astute listener will realize that while I am singing your praises, I am thrashing you at the same time. So that's that's what the astute listener will pick up on. Oh, don't worry. I don't think that's on anybody. Don't, don't, don't worry. Um, that, you know, that being said, I, um, I think you're right in a lot of ways. And I will, t- I will put this out there. Uh, I was, I was thinking about waiting uh, longer into the podcast to do this, but you, you kind of gave me the fair way and opened up the opportunity. So I'll put it out there. If there's someone listening to this podcast that is trying to break into the mineral space that has access to deal flow, ac- you know, access to mineral owners, or, or, you know, thinks that they may have access to mineral owners and aren't sure kind of what to do and, and how to approach things. Um, you know, I'm happy to, to be a mentor. I, I'd like to bring on some of that. And so in that regard, I don't think there's any way to waste my time in the sense that if somebody sends me something, you know, somebody in, that I just painted a picture of, it's trying to break in the middle space, mineral space and they, and they were sent something or they think they have something that's worth something. If they send it to me and it's, you know, completely misses the mark that's you know that's a great that's a great place for me to, for me to start to kind of teach that person how to put these things together right and so so i don't want you to be scared off you know from that specifically but I, like i said i'll put it out there if you'd like to reach out to me uh in the show notes ryan's gonna uh, we're gonna put the uh in my linkedin uh profile reach out send me a message if, if you'd like to just pick my brain on it uh you know I, i've got time we'll, we'll make time to, uh, to answer your questions I like how you just cut me out of that process. Like, hey, if you want to make millions of dollars, me and you partner up. This schmuck, Ryan, he'll never know. That See, that's – and this is why people get nervous. This is why people get nervous. They see the backstabbing on the podcast live. This is this is why you just you just smooth cut me out of that process. And it's like, hey, bro, if you want to you wanna knock it dead, just holler at your boy. Uh, Ryan, no, no, no. Ryan, don't worry about Ryan. So the second the, – the other side of that coin – is you and I have an agreement that we share everything that comes through the door. And so we already had that trust factor. Just, just CC me on the email to listen, listener. Just CC me on the email. So not that I don't trust Ben, I just don't trust 
you know, checks in the mail. You know, so just, just CC me. Not, not that you just not no, not that you just don't trust Ben, but you just don't trust Ben. No, we get it. It's okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not it's, it's not about yeah. Ben. It's about Ben. Exactly. Yeah. So hey, I mean, we're, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. Okay. So we kind of hit, and there's that, probably more things that, we could. Go that ahead. dig's only gonna, that dig's only going to cost you like ten percent. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And this is why people have false bravado right there. When you talk to a big wig like Ben Samuels, you got to go in with your teeth out, man. Um, <clears throat> so we kind of talked about the early red flags about, you know, not not sending the right signal, we'll kind of call it, or not presenting yourself the way you are. And listen, there's um, a lot of ways that, you know, Ben and I could probably, we'll probably have a mistakes episode at some point, but um, have done this. But let's move on now. So we're inside of a deal. And I, I want to kind of go through some various um, things just kind of ask you and then you can kind of rank um, and then uh, add anything I, I missed out. So when you think about red flags inside of a deal, um, so there's a couple of things that could be a buyer participation, seller participation, government, somehow regulation, depending on what you're doing with the deal um, market fluctuations. So in oil and gas, obviously the oil price is going up, the oil price is going down um, infrastructure requirements that aren't there that will need to be built out to make this deal viable. Um, obviously money's got to be available and that kind of goes in with the buyer. This, um, um, but what, maybe I missed something there, but just kind of through some of those things being, what are the ones that maybe worry you the most? And what are some of the ones that worry you the least? I think that's a good list. Uh, you know, buyer seller participation is really critical. Uh, you know, if I'm working on a deal, it's, you know, it's so much, it's so much more enjoyable and so much easier to get a deal done when all parties involved are in communication on the same page working towards the same goal and that seems like that would be common and that seems like that would be like the status quo but it's surprising how often you know either the buyer or the seller or or sometimes you know one of the other agents in the middle or, or what have you depending on the deal you know it almost seems like they're going out of their way to kill the deal or they're going out of their way to make it more complicated or they're going out of their way to, to throw throw a wrench where there doesn't need to be one and so one of the reasons, going back to what I said earlier on the podcast today and then earlier on episode one, one of the reasons that I like to have more control than less on these deals is because I feel like I'm one of my strengths Strengths is navigating around never being the reason a deal doesn't come together. I'm never, I'm never going to be the reason that something doesn't come together, um, you know, unless it's something you know, that, that I can't deliver on, right? But I, in other words, in terms of the flow of communication, and, and trying to track a deal towards closing, I'm not like me personally, I'm not going to be a reason that the, the breakdown of communication happens or something like that. Whereas a lot of times I feel like th there's kind of a power struggle and there's an ego battle and those kind of things. And a lot of times the deal will fall through just because people can't get on, can't or don't want to get on the same page. And so, yeah, I think buy buyer and sell seller participation and buy-in and agreement is really, really critical. Um, I don't do a lot of uh, of work. Uh, hey, that, that, let me let me let me pause you right there before you move on. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about seller buy-in and communication. Um, you touched on a little bit, but one of the things I think that if you are someone who's trying to sell assets or a business or, or whatever this is podcast, one of the things that you might not think about and Ben, get your take on this is that if you're not working with the broker, the dealer, the closer in a manner that allows them to do what they do, ultimately either you're, you're going to make the, the broker agent, whatever you want to call them, look incompetent. And so, or ill-prepared or, or whatever you want to do, which means that the agent at that point has to handle that in a certain manner. 
And that certain manner could be either A, he takes it all on the chin and it makes him look bad. Um, B, he continually makes excuses for you because he's trying to not make you look bad. Or, or C, he's always just trying to, 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 to push it off and, and find various reasons that, that have nothing to do with you or him, um, but, they're, but they're there. The, the reality, though, Ben, is that if, if I'm out brokering deals, okay, I may have several buyers that I deal with regularly. And if you're a seller who's hard to deal with, the, the reality is, is this can be hard for me to cover you because I got to go back to this buyer in six months. And so if I begin to come, if I, if I begin to come uh, incompetent, then it's hard to cover for the seller. So sometimes the sellers, I think they believe that they're smarter than maybe the agent is or the broker is. Um, and so they're trying to play chess while everyone's playing checkers. And ultimately the deal can fall through instead of letting the broker do it or having good conversations with the broker about how to take the material, how to take what they need and then package it. Um, sometimes you'll see people will withhold information. They won't sign contracts. They won't respond to emails. Um, and it puts you or me or whoever is brokering the deal in a bad spot because Unless it's a long-term client, we're going to have to go do more deals potentially with these buyers, which means that we have to address that. So I don't think sellers always think about um, how that can work out in the negotiation process if they're not bought in, at least on getting done what they need to get done. Said another way, I think that you hit right on the head of why, again, why I why I've said a number of times that I like to have more control over these deals because it, what that that also means is that I'm the one in the ear of the seller. And I'm the one that's been communicating with the seller and is setting expectations with the seller from, from the beginning. And so I'm the one that's been tasked with, you know, getting the information from them. And so if I'm having to work, you know, through a seller's agent who then ha is having to go back to the seller, that's just another layer. And so, yeah, th there's a lot of times that this, uh, you know, it just so happens that in the oil and gas business specifically, this also happens in, in other industries for sure, but the seller, doesn't really know the process, doesn't really know even what they own, doesn't really, you know, doesn't know what needs to happen. And so, you know, they, they, you know, they'll back out of the deal that they can't back out on, or they're, they'll, like you said, they'll just stop responding to emails altogether. And, and you know, there's a lot of those things that, that make it a lot more complicated. And like you said, I think you said it perfectly at the end of the day, I, I have a business model that is, you know, customer facing or, or I should say owner facing for sure but a large portion of my business model is my relationships with these private equity back groups and these family office funds and pension funds. And I can't, and, you know, there's only so much leeway I have on that side of the, of the deal. Right. And so, you know, if I come to the table with a deal and it falls through for something, you know, for something out of my control, I can only do that a, you know, a number of times before that partner is going to, you know, going to be like, listen, like, you know, we had a good run, but we can't keep running up the street. Um, and it's very quick to, to burn those bridges because as you and I both know, and everybody probably listening to this podcast knows the oil and gas business is very, very, very big, but it's real, real small, right? I mean, it's massive, but it's really tiny. Well, and, and there's a reason there's a show like Shark Tank. Everyone wants access to the money, guys. Everyone wants access to the money, guys. And so if you have that access, the last thing you want to do is ruin your, your seat at the table with them. And so um, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to digress too much on that, but I, I did want to point that out because I think sometimes people think they don't. If you're the seller, you kind of think, well, you know, I'm going to sell this asset and da da da, and you kind of get this this false image of what's going on out there. Um, it doesn't mean that you're going to get a bad deal. It doesn't mean that that uh, Ben or myself wouldn't work really hard for you, but it does mean that you have to be bought into this process. That you are going to turn over this 
asset or whatever it is, um, and you're going to do it within the terms of, of an agreement. And if you can't find an agreement, we're not talking about that. We're talking about, you know, just the, the other things that come up along the, along the process. Um, and again, and again, you know, and, and I feel like a broken record because I think I've talked about it on every single podcast and I, and it may be a theme. I may talk about it on every podcast going forward, but I think what you just said, I think you address that and you cure that completely by setting the expectation correctly on the front end and setting and signing a contract that, 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 lines it all out that everybody's on the same page from day one and so there's no ambiguity and so sometimes you know i could i would advocate for in a contract with a seller if you're you know if you're signing like a marketing agreement or exclusivity agreement of some kind have some conditions that the seller has to meet you know seller must respond to email or phone call communication within a certain amount of time seller must provide such and such information make it so that the seller has to provide some things i think one of the things um, you know, we could talk about we could talk about this probably for an entire podcast, but I think one of the things that gets missed sometimes in these deals, when we're talking to sellers uh, of especially of mineral assets or oil and gas facing assets, is that the the buyer also has some leverage and also has the need to to get information and and to have a partner that's willing to play ball. And it's not just you know how big is the check going to be to the seller, right? There, there's other factors at play, and so I think it's really important for for sellers to be able to to recognize that they need to come to the table and, and negotiate in good faith, and if they say they're going to do something, they need to do it. And I'm not saying and I'm not on a my high horse or a pulpit saying that that doesn't happen. Right. I'm saying that like that that's what you know that's that's the ultimate goal, right? Yeah, and it's weird because if you think about it, you have something that someone else wants, and if you can get it to them for what makes you happy, then you've gotten rid of something that you didn't want, and you gave it to someone else that does want it and you got paid for the price that you do want it for. And that's just some kind of weird bankruptcy thing, but that, that should inspire you to want to move it. And sometimes it's like a begrudgingly thing. Like, Oh, well I got to, it's like, no, no, no. If you don't want it, you're getting rid of it and someone else wants it and they're going to pay you what you want for it. And you hope for that's the goal. Obviously. You know, one of the things, uh, since you said that one of the things that I find so fascinating in the oil and gas industry, and it, I think it's, it almost seems like it's a Permian-specific phenomenon more than most, but there, it definitely is just pervasive across the industry, is that I'm sure you've probably heard this hundreds of times. But people that own minerals and have owned minerals for a long time, they just always say, never sell your minerals, never sell your minerals, never sell your minerals. And it's just like one of these kind of rote sayings that has, has become pervasive across the industry. And one of the, one of the conversations that I have, to, to your point when you just said that it may not even be something that you want, um, you know, even on the other side of the coin, one of the conversations that I have with mineral owners a lot, a lot of times these days is, okay, listen, so you own however many acres in Ward County, and it's producing good numbers, and you're making, you're making a pile of money on it, but it's been producing for eight years. And so at this point, you know, it's hit down the decline curve, and now your, your revenue is kind of leveled off. So if we could bring a deal to you that had you divest this Ward package, but rather than just keep the cash, if I helped you then reinvest that money into an asset in, you know, Martin County that just got drilled, so you have a lot more upside, is that something that would be attractive to you? So it doesn't necessarily need to be like an exit of like, hey, I'm just taking a cash call, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something else. You know, th there is some, some, some definite fairway and facilitation to put that capital into another deal, right? And so I think that, and I think a lot of times that that's lost on people. No, I just went on a tangent, but I, but I think that that's something that, that I have found, I mean, it seems so simple, but there, there's not a lot of people talking about it. Well, and that goes back to buyer 
buy-in. I mean, seller buy-in because we are the ones who are, who are trying to think about this kind of stuff for you. We're that's what we, we want to do as many deals for you as possible because that's how we make our money. Um, and if it's a lucrative for you, then, it's, and then it works out great for everyone. And if it's not, obviously move on. Um, I do want to ask you about um, government compliance. I do want to talk about this because I do have a little bit of, of experience with some of this stuff. And I am curious on your um, on, on some of the stuff that you deal with is government compliance or government regulation or, um, you know, changes of administration from Republican to Democrat or vice versa, or the house slopping midterms, um, state, local, federal, I don't care. Does, does that concern you with the things that you're currently working on? My current project flow, I, I don't interface with government regulation or government entities much at all. Uh, you know, in, in some consulting capacity. So like, you know, as far as I'm uh, concerned and involved in the, in the pipe deal that you're working, you know, that, that you're running. Um, and, and so like similar models like that, that I'm involved in a consulting group working on a deal that may have some, um, some government regulation inter, um, interface, but, but uh, generally, no, I, I really don't. And I really don't have much experience in that at all. That, that's not something that, that I have really uh, broached much uh, or you know, needed to step in the waters of. Okay. So I did want to talk about that just for a second, because um, obviously with what I do at R Square Global and then with the pipe deal, um, that was a big concern, the pipe deal, especially was government um, regulation. Um, and maybe we'll get into why that is later on down the road, but it was a big concern and we were able to uh, do those. I, I do think that government regulation, uh, we can put the politics aside, the reality of government regulation is that unless it's a brand new law or regulation that's passed, um, Older laws usually have been tried um, in court on some level, and there has been rulings that can help you that. So government regulation, I think, sometimes is scary, but also, even though I'm probably not a fan of what the regulation is, it does give you guidelines on what you can and can't do. And so hiring the person to answer those questions for you um, sometimes can help the deal go along because then you can go back to a, a buyer or a seller or whoever the case may be and say, well, we can't do that. And it's not my fault. It's no one's fault. Blame city, state, federal, to whoever it was. This is how it has to be, um, which does kind of frame things that maybe um, you know it's not what people wanted, or maybe it is what people wanted. But it does it does do that. So I think government regulation usually it's an encumbrance. But I just want to put that out there that there are people, at least with government regulation, that can answer those questions for you, unless it's a brand new, hot off the press type thing. And so it's not. While it may be a pain in the butt, there is people who do usually know those answers. Absolutely, yeah. That that comes down to something that we've also talked about quite a bit is just uh, you know finding the right people, knowing the right people. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and so you know, when you were, I, I know when you were looking at the pipe deal, you had to make those calls to find you know, find the right people to, to know, you know that were in the know of. Okay, so how you know if we wanted to import this domestically, how are we going to do that? You know, okay. what does it look like to be the importer of record on something? Mm-hmm. Those are, those are questions that I imagine you you know before looking at the South African deal, you didn't have the answers to. I had no right? idea. I didn't even know. I didn't even know that there were, those were issues, right? And then the government, then you start research the government regulations. You're like, oh my gosh, you got to look at this. And, and so, and I think that I think so. I, in a lot of ways, I think that the, that deal is a perfect example of kind of what we're talking about because you you know you you, you made this connection. It was it was a relatively loose connection in, in the terms of you know how you how you got connected. I think you got you met originally at Nape, right? Is that right? Uh, the South African side. Yeah. No, we met at the uh, RWA conference in uh, West Virginia. Yeah. Okay, but it, it was a conference. It was a conference. And so, yeah. like, so like from the infancy of like hearing about the idea to I, I know that you like you know and I don't want to ruin the story, but I know like you beat the door down to like try to you know get out their boots on the ground out in South Africa, mm-hmm. and, like, and then working through the process, and then once the deal became kind of real, 
working through, okay, what do I need to know? Who do I need? You know, what are the pieces of information? I, and like working through all of that, I think that that's kind of a microcosm of exactly what we're talking about today mm -hmm. and the way that you went through that, because I'm sure throughout the, that entire process, there were tons of what looked like red flags to you, right? But, mm -hmm. but you were, you know, but the opportunity was such that it's just like, no, nah, I need to push through this to see what's on the other side, because, you know, there, there's something here. And, and, you know, I think to a certain degree, you're still there, right? There's still yeah. things that, that may come that may come across uh, on this deal that are red flags or, or things that you're going to need, need to navigate around and, and all of that, depending on, you know, the customer base and all that. Right. I'm sure we'll get into the, that specific um, story and kind of break it down on another podcast. But I do want to talk, talk on something because we're getting close to our time here is on, on that story, just real quick. So um, I, I know a, a gentleman, he's a good friend now um, from South Africa, and I met him at a conference, has been alluded to. Uh, and, and then I came up to him and I said, hey, I'd love to come to South Africa. I've always wanted to work internationally. And he kind of said, okay, whatever. I shot him an email, maybe two emails, I don't know. And he never responded. Um, and so the next year at the conference, I, I basically had to threaten um, as nicely as I could. With, I mean, I'm not like physically threatening, but basically threatened that, hey, if he didn't have me to come down there, because he was saying they need Americans to come down there. If he didn't need to have me come down there, I was going to call him out at the next conference. And, and so um, two months later, I was down there. But what I found out, Ben, which was the most fascinating thing for me, was I wasn't the only one saying they wanted to come down there. Everyone was coming up to him and saying, we want to come down, we want to come down, we want to come down. To this day, to this day, only two people from that organization, outside of who the organization sends down for official organization business, have ever paid their own way to go to South Africa, me and one other person. And we've been down there five times as a company, four times me personally. So when we talk about this idea of... um you know, people don't know who you are. They're kind of leading off on false pretenses. I, I kind of felt embarrassed when I went down to this guy's house, you know, a few months later, and he told me that story about everyone's beating the doors down that I was kind of so blunt with him about coming down. Um, it worked out, obviously, in this case. But I kind of felt embarrassed because I didn't realize that everyone and their mama was going and hitting him up like, hey, I'm coming down. Hey, I'm coming down. And no one was. But you know what sealed the deal? Me going down there. That's what separated me from everyone else. And then he became the number two guy at the Department of Energy of South Africa. He was going to G20 summits. And obviously, we're working on some pretty big deals now. Um, but that goes to show you that even if you have good intentions, which I did, um, it does, you, you got, it's, and it's hard to think like this. But you don't know what's this other person being pounded with. And this guy was being pounded with folks wanting to come down to South Africa that didn't even know South Africa was a country. They thought it was a geographical region of Africa. Just, it's just South Africa. You know, they didn't know that was actually <laughs> its own uh, country. Um, that's what he was getting. And so to cut through the, the noise, to use your term, I really had to press upon him that I was different and I was willing to come down. Um, and so we didn't get all the way through all the red flag stuff. But that, I'm glad you brought that up because that was something for him. I was just another LinkedIn, to use that term, DM, saying I got something for him. And... Um, I had to really invest my own time, my own dollars, 16-hour flight to go down there to prove that I was actually willing to try to do stuff with him. And over the course of the last five, six, whatever, seven years has been, you know, we worked on several things, and this is the closest we've been. And we're, you know, this is kind of a done deal now, but we're trying to finalize the the, the minor points. I'd like to uh, to put a uh, put a pin in that last point that you just made in terms of, uh, you know being intentional in your, in your actions and, and the way, you know, the, the reason that you think you cut through the noise, I think that's really important because I think you're absolutely right. I think it's so often, and this is, this is going to come off before I even say this, I, th I feel like I know this is going to come off the wrong way, but I feel like so often there are people that 
they're, they're trying to be something that they're not and trying to be more than they are. And what I mean by that, and this, this is going to sound bad, but what I mean by that is if you're the kind of person that is looking to make tons and tons of money, be financially independent, be very wealthy, be very well known, be very well thought of, be an industry expert, be a thought leader, be all of these things, but you're clocking in at nine, you're clocking out at five, I, w- I would push back and, and argue that, you know, that there may be there, there, that may not be a realistic expectation. I think that there's a lot of times that people want to pretend like they want all this success, but when it comes to actually putting in the blood, sweat, tears, and hours, a lot of times the, the trade-off some people some people take is you know the other direction, and which is a totally valid and perfectly fine decision. For it, but yeah. but you can't but you can't have both sides a lot of times, right? And so I think that that's important. To, and I want to talk a little bit more about that uh, maybe in a different context. But, but yeah, I mean, to your point, I, I absolutely believe that, that the reason that this deal is going to come together is because you got on a plane and went down to South Africa, boots on the ground, and you proved to those guys, they're like, listen, you know, you, you flew from America to South Africa to make this thing happen. You don't do that unless you're serious, right? And so that action in and of itself probably got you in the door more than anything else you did throughout the entire communication process because that action in and of itself proves that you're serious. Yeah. It's that it's that kind of it's that kind of, of business, and so it's that kind of person that you want to you know that you want to deal with. And I'm sure there's plenty of red flags we omitted, but we're getting up against the clock. So I just want to say this: I do see these memes, these inspirational posts that say, you know, the haters will doubt you, but go for it anyways, and all that. And I will say, with the South Africa stuff, a lot of people doubted it. No, you're wasting your time. This, that, and the other. This one worked out. But Ben, we would be lying if we sat here and told you that every time someone hated on something that we did, that they're not right a lot of times. That a lot of times the haters are actually right. You're actually wasting your time. The problem is you just don't know it. So don't get so as as Rose. So I think sometimes the inspirational guys kind of omit that process. That yeah, well, I did grind it. I did fly down there sixteen hours. I drove three and a half hours. I told you earlier for nothing, and I did that a lot of times. I've got more than sixteen hours of driving places that did me no good. And I think that's also important to remember is if you're getting to this business, and if you're in sales, it should be a no brainer. But sometimes you don't think about it like that. That something they're, they're, you're going to bring a deal to Ben, and it's because Ben might say, "No, I don't really think this is viable." And maybe Ben's right, maybe he's not. Um, but it's not. It listen the inspirational meme of you know just because everyone says it's dumb, keep pushing. Sure, you can keep doing that, and, and and I do it regularly. But there's a lot of times where, at the end of the day, I'm holding not money. I'm holding an empty bag. Would you agree with me if I if I said that the way that I address that or the way that I think about that is you know if, if I get you know a nasty comment or a nasty email or or somebody says something negative or or if I get some kind of feedback that that pushes back on something that I'm doing, um, you know, or you know some kind of hate in, in some other medium, while I don't I don't give any credence to the you know the hate portion of that i try to drill down to what they're actually getting at and saying and and and, you know look at it objectively and maybe like you said maybe they're onto something maybe there is something broken in that process maybe they came out of a place of anger or you know or hate but maybe what they were trying to convey actually is going to help my business and so why not give some time to to dig in and see because because if that person is thinking it there may be others yeah and and what what i found is on that is that a lot of times that the hate whether it's 
right or wrong, it's hard for me to evaluate it because they don't have enough information to actually see. Like I talk about the circle and how I'm trying to pull this together. I can sit down and explain to someone how I'm looking this up, but they usually don't always have all of the information or the right perspective. So I do take it. I do listen to it. And I try to make sure that I'm not missing anything glaring like, Hey, this is illegal. Okay. Well that's, you know, that one's done or this person just died or this person just got married or, or whatever the case may be. Okay. You know, stuff like that. But the other stuff makes it, makes it hard. And that's why it's hard. And you got to decide, you know, what you're going to do. Um, as far as you know, pushing through or not, but I did want to say that because you, you do push through a lot of times and, and there's there's nothing there, no matter how hard it is. And the, and the final thing I'll say is that you know Ben and I, I don't want to speak for Ben, but but you know the the problem for me Ben is is that um, you know when we talk about this, you know um, we, we like doing it and, and we, we find it fun. The problem is if if you're serious about this, you have an attitude that basically says I can't be stopped. I am the one who can do this. I am the person who can get on the plane and go to South Africa and make that deal happen. And you believe that about yourself. I believe it about myself. I don't, I don't look at this and go, I can't do it. I actually believe that I can do it. Um, and that's the hard part is balancing that, 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 that confidence, that belief that I can go close the deal, even though I might be going up against dudes who have doctorates and MBAs and been doing it 40 years. I don't, I don't, that doesn't intimidate me. Um, which means that a lot of times you will be overzealous and, you know, <laughs> go after something that wasn't as lucrative as you thought it was because of that self-belief. And so balancing all that out is, is, um, is tough, but we are up against the clock. I know get, uh, 30 seconds to respond. Go ahead. Yeah, I think my quick response is um, in terms of looking at these deals, like you talked about, like giving a lot of effort and it not proving out to be anything. I mean, people listening to this podcast, don't get it twisted. I don't know what Ryan's closing percentage on these things is. And I don't know what my closing percentage is necessarily in terms of like deals that I review based and then deals that I get paid on. But I mean, that's an aggressive, that's an aggressive funnel. And so don't, don't, don't think that, you know, the deals that come across our desk, we're closing them all or anything like that. I mean, it's an aggressive funnel. You know, no matter where you are in the industry, whether you just started out or you're a 20 year vet, you're, you're going to see tons of deals and the ones that you want to transact on are going to be very few. And so it's, it's about learning through the process, how you, how you restrict that funnel and how you get to the ones that you want to review. Yeah. If you, if you include every single thing that everyone actually mentions to me about, Hey, did you hear about this, which is a lot. If you start, if you start with that, because that's a potential deal, and you bring it down to the ones that you're actually funneling through, you're talking about a very low, very very low percentage of closure rate. Just because I, I do consider it when when someone says something, have you heard about this? My mind instantly goes, huh? Okay, <laughs> is this an opportunity here? Let me think about it. And so if I count all that, it becomes a very low. Um, and so, anyways, hope this has been infor- uh, this has been informative. Connect with Ben and myself on LinkedIn. Shoot us comments, questions, or concerns. If you like the podcast, a five star review or higher on iTunes. Would be much appreciated. Talk about how great the ho- the host is, and uh, the the guy on the other side of the screen is okay. You know, you can you can talk about that. But mainly, the host is yeah yeah. I'm the host or co-host or just talk about how great Ryan is. Talk about how you t- say your boy's the man. So, anyways, we will be back next week. Hopefully, by the time we record next week, the first one or two or three will be out. And uh, if not, then this will be meaningless to you. So we'll talk to you <laughs> next week. Are paper invoices and payments dragging you back to the office? Automate with Avid Exchange and enjoy 100% digital accounts payable. 
With 24-7 access and secure e-payment options, you can easily review, approve, and pay your bills anytime, anywhere, from any device. So say goodbye to all that paperwork and hello to the ease and flexibility of automated accounts payable. Learn more at avidexchange.com. That's avidexchange.com. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager. Today, I want to talk about... Pete, heads up. We've been hacked. What happened? My password is my birthday. Everyone knows that. February 14th. Why would everyone... I don't get how these people figure this stuff out. I think I do. Have you ever updated it? Yes. I changed it to Valentine's Day. (sighs) Okay. We're protected with connection security services. You just got to be more careful, Pete. Okay. Yep. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. 